Hi, I'm Tom Strachan from the Fantasy Sanctuary. This is Dynasty Hot Seat. Let's get going. Yes, hello everybody and welcome back to the Dynasty Hot Seat, the only Dynasty show that's a certified inferno. And we've got, you know, one of the best guests that you could get in, not just like the fantasy community, but like the world community, right? This is Tom Strachan back on the hot seat at NFL underscore T-Strack. As he said at the top, member of that dynamic duo over at the Fantasy Sanctuary with uh, Rich Cooling also being in the hot seat a couple of times. Tom, brilliant to have you back on the show. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. It's always nice getting a chance to chat with you. You know, both me and Rich are big fans of your channel and everything you're doing. And yeah, it's a busy time of year. There is no yeah. time to stop. The seat is definitely hot. Exactly. Yeah, the seat never, never cools down here. So I uh, just want to thank everybody, everybody new joining, by the way, because a couple of new people always pop along. Just make sure you're, uh, do me a favor here and not like hitting that subscribe button and the bell. I don't know. Tom, do you care about the bell? People always ask about the bell. I actually don't care about the bell. Uh, I mean, we tell people to press it. I think it's better if, you know, for people going live, you want to have that bell on. You want to make sure you're seeing people as soon as it's on. There you go. So yeah, hit that bell as well, because Tom Tom says, right, hit that bell. So what we're going to do, we're going to go into some hints and tips, and then Tom's going to talk through some of these 2023 rookies in a little uh, mock draft. But we're going to start off with uh, section one, some hints and tips. Uh, you got sort of one all-encompassing tip for us, Tom, don't you? Yeah, it's just, this isn't the time of year to switch off. Like, yeah. I think... There's sometimes people get fatigued coming out of the season. It's like, oh, I just I can't look at my dynasty team right now. I know it needs work, but I can't be dealing with it right now. I've spent 17 weeks setting lineups. You know, <laughs> the season's over, and I just need some distance. And I'll dial back in at the draft, and that is not the way to do it. This is the time of year where you need to be just working out. Okay, what do I need to make my team better this year? What do I need from the draft? What do I have? And if I don't have what I need to be able to make my team better, how am I going to get it? Like, I've got one team which me and Rich did a video on about and it's probably the worst dynasty roster you could ever imagine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. But the key thing there is that I know I've got like four second round picks and three first round picks. And it's going, okay, how can I start spinning them into 24 picks already because I know that team, no matter what I do, is not going to be contending this year. And even though the 23 class, which was hyped for a couple of years, is the greatest class of all time, has started to dip off a lot, there's still going to be plenty of hype when we get into these rookie drafts. So you need to be ready to do what you need to do to be able to turn your dynasty teams around. Or if you're a contender, then, you know, sitting back isn't the time of year for it either. I mean, I had a team which absolutely destroyed a league the year before. And then last year I went out about this time and bought Ramondre Stevenson for a third round pick. People say don't buy running backs this time of year, but that's that's like don't buy the top tier running backs. Don't buy the guys where yeah. you know you're gonna be spending first round picks and stuff on them. Go out and throw third round picks at stuff because I think yeah. whilst there's some interesting players in the third of this, if you can get somebody with the potential to do what Ramondre Stevenson did last year, then that's absolutely worth it. Yeah, I completely agree. And like, this is, you're right, the perfect time of year to actually like, if you're talking, you're talking about trying to get some like 2024 picks, this is the time of year where it's like perfect to capitalize on if you want to sell some of these picks. Cause at the minute, everybody's got like rose tinted glasses on, like, like no one's got drafted to the New England Patriots yet, right? <laughs> no one's like plummeting in value because of where they've landed. Everyone's like, oh great, I've got like Devon Itchy and imagine if he ends up on this, or he goes to the Chargers or he goes to work. But then one of these guys or probably half these guys are going to have bad landing spots and their value's going to plummet. So this time of the year is perfect for, you know, taking advantage of those rose tinted glasses and selling these picks on for 
for perhaps you know uh, a healthy profit or or maybe because of the depth of this class selling some of those late first round picks and picking up a couple of second round picks and you're getting pretty much the same kind of player but you got a little bit extra on top now as well 100 percent, yeah completely agree with you yeah i think so um so yeah 100 percent. be active i can only assume people listening to dynasty you know, content of this time of year. You guys are all active anyway, so pat on the pat on the back for for each and every one of you. So let's uh, let's dive right into it then, Tom. Shall we? I'll pull up our a little sleeper tab here. We're going to go through. We're going to pick every player here. We're going to go through two rounds and let's start off the top. It is super flex, but I mean, yeah. Are you are you going to break the break the streak of everyone taking Bijan at one, or, or are you going to do? No, I can't. And I mean. The thing, it's tricky for me with Bijan. So I don't watch college. I only dive into the rookies when we get to January. And I've been hearing about Bijan since before Brees Hall was drafted as like the uh-huh. certified 101 of this class. Yeah. And <clears throat> up until now, it's kind of like that thing where it's like, all right, well, is there a possible situation where he gets a poor landing spot and Anthony Richardson perhaps gets a really good landing spot? I think yeah. that's the only way we can flip it. But for now, with everything we know, and when we're seeing Bijan Robinson being mocked to places like the Bengals, you've just got to take him at the one-on-one. Even if you don't need a running back, it's better to take the value of him and then you'll be able to trade him and get an incredible good value on him even a few months down the line. Yeah, completely agree. I put a tweet after having... Um... Uh, Ryan McDowell on the show here, the last guest before yourself, and we kind of talked about like what, what would need to happen for Bijan not to be the one on one, and yeah, he kind of <coughs> said like yeah, he ends up in we mentioned him earlier, like he ends up in like New England where you know like it's it's a bit of a tricky situation there for any running back. Plus, you got your guy Ramondre Stevenson as well there, that's a bit tricky, and then like Bijan like goes like one on one to the Panthers, right? Then that is like two worlds colliding, and that might not Bijan up, but you know, 99% sure here that, that he's going to be the, the 101. So we'll get him locked in. And then who's who's going right after him then at, at the second pick of the first round? So if you'd asked me this a few weeks back after the combine, it probably wouldn't have been Bryce Young, but I'm going to mm-hmm. go with Bryce Young. I think he he's really had an up and down process before the combine. People were talking about how you know, we were expecting him to possibly weigh as little as 170 pounds and be like five foot nine or so. And yeah. that would have been incredibly difficult for him to come back from because that's just yeah. so far below what any NFL quarterback has played at. But between weighing in, at, <clears throat> sorry, uh, weighing in a, a kind of reasonable level at over 200 pounds and yeah, technically he was sort of like five foot ten, I think, when he was height wise. So you can yeah. make a comparison to guys like Russell Wilson, and you can make a comparison to Kyler Murray. But the thing that Bryce Young does is he has this great release, which is a really you know when he releases the ball, it's high. Whereas you know you look at somebody like Will Levis, he's quite often going low and looking to get around players. But Bryce Young, yeah. He's just a really good quarterback, progresses through his reads well. He's a very intelligent quarterback, and I think he's going to have a really successful NFL career if he lands with the right coaching spot. Yeah, I think you're right. And he looks sort of odds-on, right, to go to the Texans who are already, you know, starting to address their offensive line, you know, paying Lyman more than, than anybody else in the league. So that that's huge for Bryce Young, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've got a player like Laramie Tunsil protecting you. It's always yeah. going to make your life a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Bryce Young in at two then. And are we going his like close rival at three then, or are we kind of switching up a bit? Well, I'm going to go with Anthony Richardson. This is the point in the draft where, like, I, you know, I think CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson, there's very little between them in terms of what they can bring as fantasy prospects. But Anthony Richardson, the ceiling is just going to be so much higher I you know we saw we saw at the combine we all knew that he was an athletic beast and he was really gonna do fantastic things but like this isn't Malik Willis 2.0 people who say that haven't watched a lot of football like 
Malik Willis went to Liberty and didn't dominate there. Anthony Richardson was in a good division and played well. You know, he works his feet well in the pocket. And yes, he does have some mechanical issues and his footwork occasionally can be a mess. But the upside of what he can bring is like a 240-pound quarterback who can run a 4.4 40-yard <laughs> dash. That's that's what we're after in fantasy. I like scoring points in fantasy. Yeah. I, he, I don't know if you've seen him. I've seen just today. He deliberately threw the ball against the ceiling there, right? Just so, <laughs> just so people can say that about Anthony Richardson's ceiling, right? He 100% did that on purpose, right? I think it's just one of those where it's like, you know, I could do it. I wonder what people will say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I, if you've not seen them already, there's definitely Anthony Richardson ceiling jokes about to flood Twitter with that video, right? <laughs> For sure. Uh, I'm certainly going to do it anyway. Actually, I've not tweeted that out yet. So stay tuned. I'm going <laughs> to, that's coming <laughs> to a Twitter deck near you. So we got Anthony Richardson locked in. Who's coming right after him? Next, it would be CJ Stroud. I think CJ Stroud is probably the most likely person to be picked up 101 overall. Um, Underdog Fantasy had an incredible video this season where Josh McCown, who's now the Panthers quarterback coach, was breaking down each of the prospects with Josh Norris. And Josh McCown just was visibly excited by CJ Stroud. It's really worth looking up. You can really see so many of Stroud's real high points in it. And I do think that Stroud can be an elite player in this league. It's just, we only really saw him creating out a structure, you know, occasionally. And we only saw that one game in the national championship where he was really displaying what he can do with his legs. So perhaps we see more of that at the next level. I mean, the Panthers have brought in a lot of really good coaching staff, um, I think Frank Reich is an excellent person to be around for a rookie quarterback. Um, So I have no hesitation with that. I just think given what's around him at the Panthers, it's a little hard to really project too high of a ceiling straight away. Yeah. And what CJ Stroud has in fear before him is, I mean, you just have to look right at, at Justin Fields at Ohio State just the year like before where he wasn't really allowed to use his legs as much. And maybe it's a scheme thing over there where they don't want the quarterback running, taking big hits. They want him to be more pocket passers. So hopefully for Stroud, he gets to yeah showcase that a little more at, at the Panthers who, like you would imagine, will let him off the leash a little bit more, right? Yeah, I think that, you know, this is going to be a season where the Panthers feel like that they can do some good things in that division. It's not the toughest division out there. There's a lot of teams who are stuck in limbo. And I feel like if he can get a good preseason underneath him, you know, Andy Dolan's there, who is the kind of quarterback who will take a rookie under his wing, then it could be, Mm. it could be, he could hit the ground running. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely agree. So we got Stride locked in at four. Who's who's coming up behind him at pick number five? So I'm I'm going Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think he is without doubt one of the most exciting prospects that I've come across in this year's draft process. Yeah. I think you know you go back to the days where he was out playing Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave when they were on the same team together, yeah. and people will talk about him being a slot only player, but. I mean, I play predominantly in PPR leagues, occasionally in half PPR leagues, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, we look at Eamon Rassane Brown or Justin Jefferson or Cooper Cup. These are the yeah. guys that if you've had two of them on your team over the last few years, then your fantasy team has been excellent. I mean, even a guy like Christian Kirk last year was running virtually yeah. all of his work out of the slot. As long as you've got an offensive coordinator who's going to deploy them, not only in slot routes, which come back sort of like horizontal along the line of scrimmage. But if you get somebody who's sending them vertical as well, then they can really explode and become just an excellent option for fantasy. We had Andrew Erickson on from Fantasy Pros to do a mock draft with us. And he had a great line where it's like, okay, Jackson Smith and Jigba is never going to take an 80-yard screen to the house, but he might catch eight catches for 80 yards and a touchdown on one drive, and that'll work out more points anyway. Excellent point, right? Yeah, it's it's all about scoring points at the end of the day. Yeah, and you want that, like those target hogs, especially in PPR. And, and it doesn't matter where Smith and Jigba goes, he's going to see a ton of targets. So, yeah, I think he's 
He seems to be fairly consensus wide receiver one night, Tom, right? I think so. I mean, my co-host, Rich, he's got Jordan Addison ahead of him. And I know he's very high on him. I know Daniel Jeremiah thinks Jordan Addison could be really special. But yeah, we've yeah. kind of seen Quentin Johnston slip down mock drafts. It's like him and Jackson Smith and Jigba have flipped. Mm. Quentin Johnston was going around that sort of pick 12 where the Texans have their second pick. But now he's slid back to sort of like where Baltimore are at pick 23. Yeah. And JSN's jumped up by about 10 picks. Yeah, yeah, but that an elite talent without doubt and great value at pick five there as well. So uh, who's who's coming in at pick number six? We'll go Jameer Gibbs next. I think, you know, he's a really exciting prospect. Somebody that like for me, I just look at and I go, this is a guy who's going to get on the field early. Yes, yep. he's only 199 pounds and okay, you know, that's not ideal, but that's kind of like Austin Eckler size. So yeah. As long as he bulks up enough to be able to take the hits, then that's fine. But I'm also not looking for somebody to get 100% of the carries. I don't need somebody to get 100% of the carries. So few running backs do get 100% of the carries. Like, True. It, you know, and even then, what are we talking, 70%? I don't need that. I just... He's an incredibly explosive player. You know, his 10-yard split was 1.52, 40-yard dash time, 4.36. So... <clears throat> if he can get on the field, he's going to create explosive plays. And if he can create explosive plays, then that's fine. You know, I'll take 80-yard run for the, to the house and a touchdown yeah. on 15 touches or something like that. That's fine. And particularly, like I play a lot of best ball and come a lot of this from best ball point of view. But in Dynasty best ball leagues, I think – he could be a slam dunk and could be really important down the stretch when we're getting towards the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think like the one knock at him, like you said, is like his his size or like his weight. And yeah, I remember like these are rookies. Like this guy's what, 20, 21 years old. He doesn't have like fully like developed, like I don't want to say old man strength, but you know what I mean, right? He's he's still got a lot of growing into his body to do still at that age, right? Hundred percent. I mean, it's like he's twenty. I think he might be twenty by the time the season starts. But yeah, yeah that's you know he's going to get into an NFL program. And yes, there are plenty of really good college programs that really have these athletes playing to a higher standard than we did twenty, thirty years ago. But when he gets into the NFL program, we've seen players completely change and develop when we get there. So I have no worries about him. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think he's a great <clears throat> talent. Um, can't wait to see where he ends up. Actually, it'll be really exciting. But but for now, he's he's sitting at pick six. And who's coming in uh, after him at pick number seven? I'm going to go with Jordan Addison. I think he, I think he is probably very close to Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think he's probably one of those players who really does have a top-tier kind of ceiling. I think, you know, he's going to get the BMI issues thrown at him again. But do we not learn? I mean, we did this with Devonta Smith, and I had yeah. so much Devonta Smith on my teams last year. Same. And so many of my teams that went that did really well, it was thanks to Devonta Smith. So, look, I mean, there's a difference between Devonta Smith and Tutu Atwell. There's, you know, <laughs> Jordan Addison is not that slight. He's only 173 pounds, so... That's fine. I think, you know, when you look at Addison, he's a real natural route runner. He can create separation, manipulate defenses. Yeah. And it's like, that's the kind of player who is going to get on the field because he just does stuff so well. Yeah. And if you think about like the, the way he played, like he's not stupid either. Like he's not going to be trying to take on massive 240 pound line by like, he's not an idiot. Like he knows what size he is. He's, He's been that size his whole life, right? So he's going to, like, select clever routes to run, make smart choices, and understand that he's not as big as these other guys. And, yeah, being that size his entire career, I, I fully trust Addison to, well, first of all, probably just be open so it doesn't matter. And secondly, to not make stupid decisions in the football field. So I'm not I'm not too worried about, about Addison at all, really. Is there any kind of landing spot for him? You'd be like, oh, don't like that, or be happy enough with him? I don't think so. I think... You know, there's places where he could go where it would be difficult, like, say, the Eagles or somewhere like that, where he could yeah. face real elite competition. But 
I think where Jordan Addison is being mocked in a lot of drafts, you're talking about the mid-20s, you're talking about teams like the Ravens, you're talking about teams like the Vikings. You know, these are teams that they could do with a wide receiver two, they could do with a wide receiver one in Baltimore's case, you know. I think most of the you know, even if he ended up in a team like the Chiefs, he's probably not going to see as high volume as he could in other places because Travis Kelsey dominates so much. But that's fine. I mean, we, you know, the further down the board he slips, as long as he's a day one pick, he's just ending up in better offenses. Yeah, absolutely. He'd be a good, well, you know, as as a Ravens fan, right? You've got that new new offensive coordinator, right? Looking to establish a bit more of a passing game. Jordan Addison, Rashad Bateman, that'd be pretty nice, right, Tom? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the Ravens got mocked for picking up Nelson Aguilar, but John Harbaugh said this week, you know, it's part of it. It's not it's not the end of the changing the wide receiver room. Yeah. But yeah, somebody like Jackson Smith and Jigba or Jordan Addison would be an incredible ad to really round out that room and give them much needed youth infusion. Yeah, absolutely agree. So we have Addison in there at pick seven. And who's following up then? I'm going to go with another wide receiver. I think, you know, I firmly believe that wide receivers are a really good way to build your dynasty team out. I think like a few years back, I ended up with a lot of Jamar Chase in Mm -hmm. drafts simply because he fell down to sort of this range of drafts sometimes. Um, I think you look at Zay Flowers and he's got a really wide range of outcomes in mock drafts. Daniel Jeremiah has kind of mocked him as high as sort of 14 in some drafts and then sort of down around where the Patriots are and then all the way down to like the Ravens or the Chiefs all the way down to 31. So he could easily sort of go anywhere, but, you know, he's five foot nine, 180 pounds, ran a 4.42 at the Combine. He's a good route runner. He can separate. He's got, you know, little subtle movements that he can throw defenders off. So he does lots of things well, but he doesn't do anything like truly elite when you watch him. But in the right offense, I'm kind of hoping that he finds a wide receiver coach and an offensive coordinator who can unlock that and help take it to the next level. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think Zephyrs will get him locked in at a picket. He's a guy that... So I've, I've kind of been doing the, these videos, Tom, where it's like ADP, like based on a couple of mock drafts from from all around like the, the Dynasty and the, and the fantasy community. I've done like a total ADP pre-combine and I'm starting to work on like the post-combine stuff. Zeph Flowers has taken a massive, massive jump up post-combine, which is really interesting because I thought he had a pretty good combine. I'm also wondering if people are starting to like watch a bit more tape and like go like, oh, this guy's quite good. And he start that's why he's starting to bump up the rankings from like the seconds to, you know, this kind of range in the first. Yeah, I think so. I think it's like, you know, the early days of it, it's, you know, you've got the Devi community and their projections on him base of it. And you've got yeah. the dynasty people who've been watching a lot of college tape. And then I think we get to this time of year and you get people like JJ Zacharis and Pat Corain, these people who are really, really good at projecting prospects who come to it quite late because the NFL season takes up so much of their time. And they're seeing different things and stuff, which because they're coming out from a different mindset. So I always really value getting a wide range of people's opinions on prospects. Um, It helps me because I don't watch any college. Yeah. Yeah, at the bit, I was going through a bit of a slog with with college football. It's my first year of really trying to catch up and, and watch the team. And it is hats off to to guys who do it like the whole time because it is an absolute slog to get through. But yeah, it is nice that a lot of people do it. So yeah, you can kind of pick and choose between between people. And Sam Flowers seems to be a beneficiary of that so far. So we got him in at eight, and who's going in at pick nine of the first round? Well, I think we've got to take Will Levis here. I think. Mm. Again, you kind of talk about wide range of outcomes. I I worry that on the night of the draft that Will Levis is going to be the player to slide outside the top 10. I think it's just as likely that he ends up around the mid to late teens as it is that he ends up at sort of pick four or five. Um, I think there's plenty of teams around that range, like the Buccaneers, the Vikings, who could be tempted to take him and sort of 
just bring him along slowly or maybe even the Seahawks with their second pick. I think, you know, he's an interesting prospect. Uh, My co-host Richard, a great line about him where he called him a Rorschach test. You can see what you want to see in him. You can see elite traits translate well, or you can see a toolsy quarterback with evident flaws. And I can't really get away from that because – I think it's like, yeah, okay, we're hearing that he played injured during the end of the season, and that might have been to do with some of his issues with his plays. But mm. so much of what he does is just poor decision making. It's not, yeah. it's not making the right throw at the right time. It's not using the right arm angle at the right time. And you know, for all that people say, okay, well, he's an able runner as well. I think he finished last year with like minus 107 yards because he got sacked so many times. So (laughs) if you're an okay (laughs) runner, that's one thing. But if you're taking that many sacks, but you're heavily into the minus figures, then it's not a great look. Um, So I think, you know, maybe... Maybe Will Levis ends up like Mac Jones where the first season he comes out and he does what he's supposed to do and he gets the ball to the players at the right time and mm. people are like, oh, okay, maybe this guy can really play. But uh, I'm just sceptical about him. I think it's like people will point to players like Justin Herbert when he came out and how sceptical the fantasy community were about him. But I just think it's very much an apples to oranges kind of comparison and with Will Levis, I think there's more downsides than upsides. But in a super flex draft of 109, oh, sorry, uh, yeah, 109, like that's yeah. fine. I mean, chances are if you're picking at this end of a draft, unless you acquired the pick by trade, you're in the playoffs anyway. So unless your quarterback was Tom Brady who got you there, there's a good chance this yeah. is going to be your QB3 on your team. Yeah, with, with Levis, I'm glad you actually mentioned the, the arm angle thing. Because every now and again he makes throws, I'm like, that doesn't, like, not only is it a bad decision, but like, oh, it looks weird, right? He's got some kind of mechanics issue there as well. And some people are trying to shoehorn the Josh Allen argument into that. I was like, well, Josh Allen had weird mechanics. Like, that's not a good thing to compare to. <laughs> like, like, let's not, a lot of people seem to be really determined to shoehorn in Josh Allen because it's like white guy, same height, same weight. It's like, yeah, like you said, it's apples to oranges, right? I don't, I don't fully see the comparison there, but you're right. I, you know, pick nine, you got a guy that's you know probably going to go, you know, to a team that needs a quarterback in the first round. So yeah, can't can't complain too much about that. So we got Levis locked in at nine. Who's coming up next to him at pick ten? Uh, it's going to be Josh Downs next. I think yep. he's somebody that. Again, you could see him kind of go in the back end of first round drafts. I wouldn't be surprised if in some drafts he slips further into the sort of like 2.3 range. I think, you know, again, a wide receiver with size kind of concerns to an to a level. He's five foot nine, 171 pounds. So people are going to talk about him being a slot only receiver, but he's got the skills and the route running ability that. You know, yep. he doesn't have to just be a slot receiver. So I think it'll be interesting to see where he goes. If he goes to somewhere, say he goes to the Titans, then he could be on the field straight away enough that he could yeah. stay on the field. But if he goes to somewhere with, let's say, I don't know, uh, say somewhere like Washington, where they've yeah. already got Dotson and McLaurin, and it's like, okay, well, is he going to get enough play in just two wide receiver sets? Or is he going to be the person coming off the field? And I think it's obvious he probably would be for the first season alone. So he's a guy that I think I'll probably end up with a reasonable amount of in best ball because he seems like he's got a good ceiling to him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he caught 72% of his contested catches in 2022. So it's not like he plays small, you know, like yeah. there's players like Marquise Brown being a Ravens fan. The amount of times I would see him shy away from contested catches. Mm. It was frustrating, but that doesn't really seem to be Josh Downs' way of using his size. He's not afraid to go up and get it. Yeah, he's he's a guy I kind of looked into more after I had um, your co-host Rich on, on the show. He's big, big fan of, of Josh Downs, so I was like, all right, I'll I'll dig into him a bit more and, and have a look at him a bit more. And yeah, I came away really, really impressed. This is like someone who's just like has all the basics locked down. Doesn't really make too many mistakes. And just seems like a kind of player an NFL team 
will really like to have on the roster. It's a real solid, good player. And hopefully can do the same for, for your fantasy team as well. So yeah, good value at, at 10. And we got two picks left of the first round. Uh, who are you going to go with uh, with the penultimate one? I'm going to go with Devin A-Chain. Is that how we pronounce uh, his name? I'm still a little behind think, on that. <laughs> I think I A-Chain think seems, seems about right. Yeah, He always reminds me of, I don't know if you watch The Boys. Do you watch the show The Boys? No, no. Uh, there's a character on it called Atrian, and he's really fast, and that's his thing. So I'm like, Atrian, Atrian, that's kind of where I'm going, right? That, that works. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, again, kind of going back to what I said about Jameer Gibbs, obviously they're not the same player. But Atrian, he had the fastest 40-yard dash amongst running backs this year, the combine yep. with 4.32 seconds. He's... Uh, Four-star recruit out of high school, five foot eight, 188 pounds. So again, we're looking at a slightly smaller back. I think if you were talking about somebody at sort of 195, it'd be a little easy to project him for to be able to take a lot of carries. But I'm not always looking for that, like I mentioned before. I want those guys with breakaway speed. If A Chain's getting on the field in the first half of the season with limited snaps he's going to break those big runs. I mean, he rushed for over a 1,000 yards in the SEC, showed his ability to carry the ball between tackles and how much he can just really break away from players. And even if it gets to a point where I'm like, okay, well, he's not catching as many balls as I'd like, I think you could get a good situation during his rookie year where you could probably flip him for a first plus further down the line. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's just so exciting to watch. Like, he's just so obviously, like, that extra bit faster than everyone else on a field full of really fast people. And he's just, like, so much fun to watch. And, yeah, I can't wait to see where he ends up. Hopefully, he does get a good amount of pass catching. I mean, just the thought of him, like, running little, like, screen routes and things like that. Like, it just, I need to see it. I just, I can't wait to see where he ends up. And hopefully, he gets a couple of catches. And I just, don't see how within the first like five six weeks we don't see a huge like sports center highlight of of HN taking something to the house. I think it's I think that's going to happen at some stage for sure. So he's the second last pick. Who's who's coming in at the final pick of the first round for you, Tom? Let's go, Quentin Johnston. I think the slide's kind of far enough. I think yeah, you know he's that big body type receiver who. The NFL are going to fall in love with people really like these kind of size athletes. Yeah. Um, but I think he does have a few flaws. I mean, you know, his contested catch rate was like 34% or something in 2022, yeah. which for a guy weighing sort of 200 pounds, 210 pounds, you want to see him dominating. Like if he's going yeah. to dominate in the NFL, we needed to see him dominating in those kind of catch points. In college, and it's quite hard to imagine that he really takes the leap when he starts playing against cornerbacks like Marlon Humphrey, Jalen Ramsey, you know, Darius Slay. Yeah. You're not suddenly going to start getting better at contested catches. <laughs> uh, but I think what Quentin Johnson offers is, yeah, he's he gets up to top speed quickly. He's really good at catching the ball downfield as it comes over his shoulders or locating it in the air. And I mean, those kind of plays, if you're good at it routinely, they can be really good for fantasy, particularly in a best ball setting or dynasty best ball. That sounds to me like a really good match if he lands with a quarterback who doesn't mind throwing deep. I think if you put him on somewhere like, you know, Desmond Ritter or Ryan Tannehill or something like that, then we can start to be a little less happy about it. But there's plenty of good quarterbacks who could really use a Quentin Johnston. Yeah, I can't make my mind up if him being the only big kind of like the only real like top end big receiver in this class is like a really good thing for him or like a really bad thing for him. I can't I can't figure out if the NFL is actually slowly shifting away from that and you have like your outliers like your AJ Browns and people like that. And actually he's a bit of a dying breed now and teams aren't really looking for it. Or maybe they're like, There aren't all these guys we need to get like Quentin Johnson while while he's there. I can't I can't figure it out, Tom. I don't know what to do. You, what do you think about are you on either side of the fence there? 
I think I think it's just tricky. I think it just comes back to landing spots so much, doesn't it? It's like 100%. you know, we've seen players with semi-limited skill sets land with say an offensive schema like somebody like Kyle Shanahan or something and just be able to unlock them. I don't think Debo yeah. Samuel was rushing the ball sort of five times a game when he was in college. Yeah. But if he ends up, you know, let's look back at like like a team like the Patriots last season who were a complete mess with yeah, you know, terrible coaching. You learn end up in that sort of situation and you're on a uphill struggle for the whole of your career. Yeah, completely agree. So for now, I think yeah, he's he's still good good value. But yeah, we have to wait where with these guys end up. But for now, Johnson's in at the back end of the person. Who's who's right after him? I picked two one. Two one. Going to go Jalen Hyatt. I think. I mean, I sometimes have a type for these kind of players who can really get downfield and score points. I think. Yeah. You can make. Arguments against them saying, are they going to be able to do that in the NFL? Are they going to be able to do that straight away? Uh, coach is going to utilize them like that. But I mean, Jalen Hyatt's A dot in college was 10.3, 14.1 the year after, and then 13.6 last year. Routinely been one of those players who mm-hmm. has just been able to use his speed to create separation and be able to get downfield and completely separate from defenders. And that just feels like a good sign to me. I mean, he ran a 4.4 at the Combine. I think, again, I kind of really want a good landing spot for him. But give me Jalen Hyatt on the Chiefs. Like, everything they hoped they were getting from Marcus Valdez-Scantling, somebody who can play yeah. like Nicole Hardman used to do or like Tyreek Hill did. I'm not comparing my Jalen Hyatt to Tyreek Hill. <laughs> I mean, also. Please don't compare him to McCall Harbin. That guy sucks, right? <laughs> well, you see, I I kind of a bit last year I became a bit of a McCall Hardman defender at times because it seemed yeah. like things were being scripted for him. And obviously the yeah. Chiefs have lost McCall Hardman. So perhaps he's the kind of player who could help a team like that, or you know, a team like like the Eagles, who just pushed ball downfield again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Like I would be Completely in on Jalen Hyatt with the right landed spot. I really like him, actually. A team I think that's been searching for a guy like him for a while is the Chargers. I like him there, yes, actually. Yes, love that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fantastic. I think he'd be yeah, really nice there. So, yeah, Jalen Hyatt, really nice pick at the start of the second round. Who's who's in at pick 2-2, two, two, then? Are we tying premium? Uh no, we're not tied. It's not been tied in premium before, so I'll keep it the same for for everybody. Okay. Well, let's go Zach Charbonnet then. I think he's probably the next running back. And, uh, it's, you know, we're down to what? Running back four at this point. Charbonnet, six foot, 214 pounds, rushed for f- almost 1,400 yards last year. He's not exactly a three-down elite workhorse running back, but... He still had 37 receptions last year, 23 the year before. Yeah, he never scored a receiving touchdown, so it's not like he was turning them into big breakaways. But players this size, uh, he plays quite quick. He had a 4.5 40-yard dash, which isn't lightning, but it's still good. He's got good contact balance. Like He's not somebody who's easy to bring down. Um, yeah. I think he's, he's kind of one of those players that will divide – Certain people, certain people just will see, you know, a Gus Edwards style, or some people, you know, see like more similar to Najee Harris in terms of like their ability to stay on the field. But yeah, I think he's somebody that is going to get on the field early because I think NFL coaches are going to really like him. Yeah. Yeah. I think as well, the pass catching thing, I always like to go back to, um, Garrett, Garrett Price from the Dynasty Nerds when he was on here the first time, I think he talked about. For him, it's just it's pass feel. Because these NFL teams, you don't know how they're going to work. So giving people a catching reading coming out of college is often like a futile exercise because they may never throw them the ball anyway. So it's not for him. Can they catch the ball? Yes or no. And I think for Charbonnet, for me, it's a yes anyway. 
Yeah, I think that's it. It's like, you know, he's not going to suddenly be schemed into like Austin Eckler type work or, you know, running wheel routes or stuff like that. But I mean, you know, we saw it with Najee Harris. If you get a quarterback who's willing to throw the ball to you like 18 times a game, then you're going to be a PPR (laughs) god. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we got we got Charbon in, and let's see what the future holds hold for him. So who's who's following him at pick uh, three of the second round? It's probably one which might upset a couple of people, but I'm going to go with Marvin Mims. I think again another wide receiver who's not exactly prototypical in his size, but I think he's fast. You know, he ran a four point three eight. He's able to create separation. I think he's a player that you could utilize all over the field. I think, you know, he's somebody who he's got good hands, but not incredible hands. Uh, he's sometimes catching the ball with his arms, you know, he's going up and stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's able to separate well enough that that's going to really help him stay on the field when he does get there. I think he's not somebody that a team wants as their wide receiver one. Like, the Houston Texans shouldn't be drafting him and thinking we can build around him as our focal point. Um, and the same for a team like the Panthers. That's not the kind of wide receiver they need. But Marvin Mims is one of those players that, like, okay, send him to the Vikings. You know, he yeah. wouldn't have a huge amount of pressure on him straight away because Justin Jefferson's so good, TJ Hawkinson's so good. But I think that, Again, I keep saying it, but in the right place, then uh, Marvin Mims could be a really good fantasy player in year one. Yeah, I think the only person you're upsetting here, Tom, is is me because Marvin Mims has been going in the third round, and I've been thinking he's a great little sleeper for me. And now you're now you're telling everybody about him and pushing him up into the second. <laughs> um, I I think he's a really really good player. Like he he shocked me a little bit at the combine as well. I was like, this guy's so much faster than I thought he was. He doesn't like, you don't really see it on, on the field. You see it a bit, but I didn't think he was faster than like every, I think he was the fastest receiver at the combine. Is that right? I think he beat everybody, which is, I think that might to be me. the case. Yeah. Yeah. So it, he's got that speed. He's got, like you said, pretty, pretty good hands, good running. Like, I think he's, you know, a really, really good player. And, you know, if, if he is slipping in a draft, then he could be a guy that, you know, a couple of years' time, you look back and go, "How the hell did Marvin Mims slip all the way down to there?" So, yeah, I think that's an, I think that's an excellent pick, Tom, in in the second round. So, um, we're on to on the pick two, four now. So, who's going to be there? I'm going to go running back and go with Sean Tucker. Mm-hmm. I think Sean Tucker's one of those where it definitely becomes a bit of a tear break of running backs that I would be willing to take in the second round, full stop. So there might not be many more from here on out. But yeah, he's fast, which I think that's, you know, he doesn't have elite sort of pass catching. He's done pass catching in college. I mean, he's not a great pass protector particularly, but that's not something I overly concern myself about. I think with Sean Tucker, he's fast. You know, he was a high school 100 metre and 200 metre champion. He's explosive. And... It's like if you can turn any play into a touchdown run, then you're the kind of player who coaches are going to want to get on the field, particularly because it's going to be like, right, let's give him a couple of touches. Let's see what he can do with it. If you're somebody who doesn't have that upside, then it's like, well, why why put that player on apart from to grind out the clock? And that's not him. Uh, I think, you know, there's questions about his lack of route running ability because – He's very much more just like a dump-off type player, but uh, he's the kind of guy who the ball's going to get thrown to him and he'll get his arms out for it, but he's not going to be like, you know, one-handed yeah. catching anything and then turning and sprinting or anything like Bijan might be capable of or the yeah. guys in the first round. But at this point in the second round, I really do think there's a cliff edge coming from running backs and I'd rather take one here than gamble on yeah. somebody later. Yeah, Tucker's in this kind of weird mesh at the minute, almost similar to like what, like what, tight end five to 18 is, right? It's just this kind of weird mush of like running backs where I just have to see where they end up, like Tucker and Bigsby and like all of these guys. It's very, very landing spot dependent uh, for me. Um, 
but yeah, we have to, we've just got to wait and see because Tucker, like you said, in the right spot could be great. But you know, if he ends up somewhere where they're like, you're going to be the grinders, like that's not going to end well for him. So we'll have him in at two four for now. Anyway, we'll see where he ends up. He could end up being pushed up. You never know. Um, who's who's going to end up at two five then for you, Tom? Well, let's take a tight end. I mean, we kind of you keep hearing about how this is the best tight end class in years and. Yeah. I don't know. Anytime I start hearing anything like that, I'm always a bit skeptical because, yeah, you look back over recent history and some of the best fantasy tight ends, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, they weren't exactly players who were being heralded as that when they were coming out. I think with tight ends, True. a lot of it doesn't always click straight away and it's much more, it depends on the scheme and it depends on the jump that they make and how much they grow yeah. when they get into the NFL. But I do like Michael Mayer. I think if you're looking for a tight end who's just going to come into the NFL and straight away just be able to stay on the field for all three downs, that's Michael Mayer because yeah. he can block and he's a very good blocker. He can catch. I mean, he's got soft hands. It's like, you know, the ball comes to him and it's no bobbling. It's just he catches it nicely. Yeah. I think, you know, he's not like a Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, where he could turn and run the ball for 50 yards whilst holding a defender off. He's six foot five, 250 pounds and runs a 4.7. But he is the kind of player who he can get you five catches for 50 yards and a touchdown on four or five games during the season. Then that's actually a pretty good return at tight end. Yeah, I think he's he's one of those guys that might, I just mentioned like that that mush right he's a kind of guy that might end up in there like the kind of i don't know not not hayden hurst i feel like that's maybe a bit of a disservice to him but you know you know what i mean like that kind no, of no like, i think that's exactly yeah. fair i mean you know you can because because hayden hurst ceiling is probably a little bit higher than he's ever got to but hayden yeah. hurst has had those games where he's flash and stuff but he is a touchdown reliant tight end and i think that's entirely where we are um we move on to the next pick, and I'll take Dalton yeah. Kincaid, who yeah. might not be a touchdown-reliant tight end. But I also think that the floor for Kincaid is a lot lower because he's, you know, he just blocking just doesn't exist for him. He's Mike Gesicki. He's, yeah. you know, he's John Johnson even. Um, maybe that's a little harsh on John Johnson, but yeah. he's... Not uh, Isaiah Likely, one of these guys who comes out and he was never asked to block in college. And yeah. So I'll take Dolan Kincaid because I think his upside is being Mike Gesicki, which go back a couple of years before Mike McDaniel was in Miami. Yeah. Mike Gesicki was great. You know, they were utilizing him heavily in the red zone. And with the right play caller, Kincaid could be excellent. I think if he ends up with a more old school coach, say somebody like Ron Rivera, then I'd mm. probably be a little more concerned about him. And like, you know, because those kind of guys can sometimes put high value on blocking and football skills. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, Kincaid, 70 receptions last year on 93 targets, 890 yards and eight touchdowns. He had eight touchdowns a year before that as well. If I can get a tight end, Who's going to give me eight touchdowns? I mean, that's that's like top six tight end in fantasy, and it might take him a year or two to do it. But he's the kind of player I don't mind putting on my taxi squad for a year and seeing yeah. what happens. Yeah, absolutely agree. He's the perfect guy to yeah, stick on your taxi squad and let let him let him grow and then use him whenever you whenever you're you're ready. So I think he's a good pick at two six. Who's who's coming up after him at two seven? Uh, let's go. Let's go with Hendon Hooker. Let's get a little spicy yes. and say Hendon Hooker sneaks into the first round. Uh, you you go back to the combine, and before the combine, nobody was thinking Hendon Hooker was going to sneak into the first round. Mm. But then Daniel Jeremiah just gushes about what teams have been telling him about Hendon Hooker for the whole weekend, any time that he got a chance. And then he puts him in his mock draft. And then somebody from CBS put him at like pick five to the Seahawks this week, which was clearly clickbait because, you know, the Seahawks could just take him at 20 instead. But, <laughs> I mean, Hooker, 
he didn't really, you know, he's played was it four years after a redshirt year um, in college. So he's coming into the league, I think he'll be 25 before he sets foot on an NFL field. Yeah. For comparison, I mean, Lamar Jackson's 26, just turned 26. So we're really talking about a very old prospect. I think it's fair to think that Hendon Hooker, his range of outcomes could be quite, quite large in the NFL. Um, but there were things to like about what he did at college. I mean, in the 11 games he played this year, he threw 3,000 yards, um, 27 touchdowns, and he rushed as well for a decent rate. I can't remember the amount off the top of my head. But through all those many seasons that he had at college, he only threw for 12 interceptions the whole time, which is really impressive. Yeah. So that's the kind of trait which... NFL coaches are going to like, oh, he takes care of the ball. He yeah. keeps ball in our hands. So I'd be very much fine with Hendon Hooker as a very speculative ad here. Yeah, Hooker is like, so all accounts that I've seen are he was odds on to win the Heisman before he got injured. So imagine he doesn't get injured, he finishes the year. I don't think there's a world where Will Levis goes ahead of Hendon Hooker in fantasy drafts, in the NFL draft, if he wins the Heisman, he's way up there. So then how much how much weight are we putting into this this injury as like it was an ACL, right? Which, you know, name a player in the NFL that doesn't have an ACL injury. I think he's being slept on maybe a little bit. Yeah, I think you have to temper your expectation. There's no point taking Hendon Hooker if you need a third quarterback for this season, because it's yeah. just you know, by the time that he's ready to actually take the field, he's going to most likely struggle through he's OTAs. He's going to be 32. And... <laughs> 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 be as old as Tom Brady. <laughs> he's, you know, spring activities, OTAs, all those kind of bits, like rookie minicamp. He's not going to be a full go for them. Yeah. But if he's in an okay situation, if he lands somewhere with a team who truly can just redshirt him for a year. And normally I hate it when fantasy people talk about, oh, that guy needs to sit. Anyone who says Anthony Richardson or would be better off sitting for a year, it's just nonsense. I know Patrick Mahomes did it and everyone likes to hang the hat on that. Yeah. But you go back to Trey Lance's rookie season and by the end of it, Carl Shanahan was saying, he's learned the playbook, he's made strides on the field, he just needs to play now. And obviously that didn't transpire and it's always ended up a mess. But I never believe in the idea of it's a great idea for rookies to sit for the whole year. So maybe he gets in late on in the season and a team gets a good look at him. Um, Maybe the Raiders pass up Will Levis and then come round to Hendon Hooker later on. We'll see. Hmm. Yeah, Hooker, yeah, I like... He's kind of slowly creeping up my board. I like that though. I think that's a nice. Some people have him like down in the third round. I think two seven's a real nice, nice spot for Hendon Hooker there. So who's following one up at two eight? Let's go Tank Dell. I think he's somebody who might be a little bit further down on the ADP, and maybe I'm just going a little wild here. But I think we're going to have to search. <laughs> <laughs> I again sorry, like, Tank Tank Bigsby. Sorry, did you say or Tank Tank Dell? Tank Dell. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's get wild here. So, yeah. <laughs> Nathaniel Tank Dell. Nathaniel Dell. Sorry. Yes. There we go. On. No, no, that's all right. Um, so again, this is a player, undersized wide receiver in this class, and he is 165 pounds. So this is real. Yeah. I'm aware that this could easily turn out like a 2-2 Atwell here. But I think when you watch him, he's very fun. He's an electric type of player. He's an explosive athlete. Really top-tier agility, in my opinion. I think he's one of those who... He could be somebody who is a gadget-only play for a little while. And obviously, when you have a gadget-only play, you risk being turned into somebody like Nicole Hardman or who we mentioned before. Yeah. Um, but he had 1,400 yards in college last season, 108 receptions at Houston. I think that he's somebody that, like, I just like taking dart throws on exciting players when I get to this part of the draft. You know, I'd rather be taking speculative throws on a wide receiver than a running back who's just going to turn into a plotter. 
Yeah. Yeah, and you know, if nothing works out for him, he can get a job in the mafia because he's really small the whole tank, right? That's <laughs> that's what they do, right? They've got big guys called tiny, they got small guys called tanks. So he's got that waiting for him if, if things don't work out. So I love that. He's that's the highest I've seen him him go. I didn't even know he was called tank. I just know him as Nathaniel. So you got learning. I'm learning new things today as well. So he's he this is what happens when you get a guy on who's coming to it from a best ball angle a lot of the time, who just, you know, yeah. I'm just looking for that explosive guy and thinking, what what is the ceiling outcome? And sometimes that pays off me in Dynasty and sometimes it uh, ends up like MVS and we don't need to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but when it hits you, like, I absolutely slam dunked that. Yeah, absolutely. So he, he's locked in there at... A two eight. So we got four picks left. Who's uh oh we'll not do three four, that's not a good idea. Who's coming in at two nine? Let's go, Zach Evans. Uh I think you know he's somebody that a lot of people would be quite high on. He's got good lateral agility and quickness, works good in a zone scheme, which is what they ran at all miss. I think he's gonna be somebody who People speculate on the speed of that he can break away. He's got good size, he's over two hundred pounds, which you know keep mentioning undersized people in this class but for yeah. a running back that's really nice to see almost at a thousand yards last season on 144 attempts uh he's pretty much very minimal in the receiving game which is why he's in this kind of range because throughout his college career he had a total of 30 receptions in three years mm. so really can't expect a lot on that i mean his a dot over the last two seasons was Minus zero point six and then one point one ah. yards. So that you know, part of that can be on the quarterback, but part of that can be the running back just isn't utilized because they don't see him as that type of player. So yeah. I think he's a solid floor prospect and he's the kind of player that when the running back ahead of him gets injured, you should be flipping him. Yeah, that's that's the point I was gonna bring up. I don't think and this is probably true for most you know, second round running backs anyway. But I don't think there's a team in the NFL he can start for right now, like, at all. Even, like, Damian Pierce, who people might point to being as the worst running back, like, starter at the minute, I think Damian Pierce is better than, than Zach Evans because, you know, Zach Evans couldn't really beat out a guy like Kendra Miller, who's not even been drafted yet when he was at TCU, and then he got beaten out by Rashawn Jutkins, who's a freshman, you know, last year at Ole Miss. I just don't see how he gets on the field, really. That's my big thing with him. Yeah, I completely can see that point of view, definitely. Yeah, but you never know. you're right. One injury changes everything in, in Dynasty. So you never know what, what could happen with, with Zach Evans. And we got we got three picks left. Who's who's coming in at the third last pick? Let's go Rashi Rice. Mix things up a little bit, get you to scroll down yeah, a little yeah. bit. Uh, I'll, I'll filter it. I'll, I'll, I'll do that quickly. I'll be a bit quicker. So. 21-year-old, six foot one, 204 pounds out of SMU. I could have done with running a faster combine. I had a 4.51 40-yard dash, but produced well at SMU last year. He had uh, 96 receptions, 1,350 yards, 10 touchdowns. He's a good route runner, can create separation. I mean, SMU don't ask for players to do an awful lot of the way we do things, so... It'd be interesting to see if he can run a full route tree in the NFL um, and the kind of coach who asks him to do that. But from a fantasy perspective, again, I think it's boom-bust material, but I'm okay with that at this point in the draft. Yeah, he's a guy like um, last week, Ryan McDowell was talking about how much he liked him, and now you're kind of mentioning him. So he's a guy I'm going to dig a little bit more into, actually, because it's a couple of... A couple of people now who, who know what they're talking about have mentioned Rasheed Rice, so definitely want to look into him a little bit more. And Tom, you got you got two picks left. Who's who's the penultimate pick of of the draft? Well, let's go Tank Bigsby. I mean, throwing yep. darts a little bit in terms of running backs, but he does seem like the kind of game, the kind of running back who can get on the field because yep. coaches will love him. I mean, he's got good vision identifies the gaps properly. Six yeah. foot, two hundred and ten pounds. So we've got no worries about what size he is. Yeah, he's he's a big guy. He runs through people. I think, you know, he's had close to a thousand yards or over it for the last two years. Complete zero in the sort of pass catching game again, really. Well, 
complete zero is a little unfair because he had yeah. 50 receptions over the last two years. But again, his ADOT over three seasons in college has never been a positive yardage. It's been minus three, <laughs> minus one, and minus 1.8. PPR, we can yeah. live with that. <laughs> you know, if you're getting thrown <laughs> for like two yards, that's, you know, that's like what, 1.2 points or something. That's fine. So yeah. he's the kind of running back who it's not even if a running back ahead of him goes down, he could be used for all three downs, but it feels like that isn't going to be how he's used for the whole career. And instead you kind of just have to temper expectations, but I like him here at this pick. Yeah. I think that's, that's good value there for, for tank picks being a year. Like, like we talked about earlier, these guys could go anywhere, depending on the draft, he could be pushed way up or he could be off people's boards, depending on where he goes. Like it's, it's so hard to tell right now at the minute. Right. And we got, we got one pick left in the second round. Who's, Who's coming off the board last? I'm going to go Renegade here, but I think because it's the last pick, I think obviously if this wasn't the last pick, I wouldn't be going with it. But maybe I'm just swallowing the pro day hype. But we'll go Israel Abinanakanda. I think Abinanakanda. I think I'm, I'm. I'm. I've been heard. I've been told. By a good source, it's Israel Abanaka. Well, there we go. I mean, former yeah. two-sport athlete. Yeah, he ran the 40-yard dash anywhere between 4.26 and 4.32, according to reports. <laughs> I know people like to say, okay, pro day times can be difficult, but these are the same NFL scouts who were hand-timing at the combine. And obviously, mm. the surface is different. And if you're even if it was, say, a 4.34, that's still incredibly fast. I mean, he would have been the fastest running back of a combine. He would have led the position with a vertical jump of 41 inches and a broad jump of 10 foot 8. So as a former two-sport athlete and track star, that's the kind of player who sounds like he has a really interesting ceiling. I think he's somebody that I would like to see fall to a creative mind. I think, you know, 216 pounds, no size concerns there. I think he's someone that I like taking shots on athletes because, you know, sometimes it, they can turn into, you know, your players like your Austin Eckler's. And obviously the flip side is they can turn into Kenny Nuangu where they'll take a couple of punt returns to the house every now and again, but that's it. But yeah. I mean, I'm treating this like a rookie draft where this is my last pick. And if he's my guy, he's my guy and I'm going to go get him. Yeah, I think a couple of people maybe have like learned a lesson from someone like Isaiah Pacheco last year who, you know, he had the fastest 40 time of all the running backs last year and kind of still wasn't really on people's radar because of what school he went to and all of that. But yeah, whenever a guy does something like a Banacan has just done, you, you have to like sit up and, and take a bit of notice. And I don't know, Tom, you might know better than me there. So they're, they don't use the same kit that they do during the combine at these pro days, right? Yeah. So whereas the pro day it has an official times uh, radar gun and everything like that, this is just NFL scouts with the stopwatches. But a lot of the times which we were going off of the combine, we were getting the scouted times a lot quicker than we were that mm-hmm. so and quite often there wasn't that much of a disparity between them no so yeah it's it's yeah he's fast right how about that he's definitely fast exactly. right fast decent yeah. size and you know he could be explosive i'll take that at 212 yeah absolutely and that that brings us to the end of of our two round draft and tom just before we pull the board away is there anyone that you're like you know why i didn't get to talk about this guy like one kind of sleeper kind of guy you're like Keep your eye out on him. I think players like Darnell Washington, Tajay Spears, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're both interesting guys. Cedric Tillman, if we were going on further, yeah, they were probably guys who I would have talked about a little bit. Um, Kendry Miller, somebody who I know a lot of people mm-hmm. like, but it just didn't quite squeeze him there for me. Yeah. Yeah. So keep your eye on, on those three guys along with with all these great players that, that Tom's drafted for us today. And and Tom, mate, that, that brings us to the end of uh, another episode of, of the Dynasty Odyssey. Just wanted to say uh, thank you so much for, for coming on the show again. Do you want to remind people where they can find you and, and all your work online? Yeah, you can find us on YouTube. We've got the Fantasy Sanctuary. We've got 
a lot of dynasty content at the minute. As soon as the draft yep. happens, then I'll start rolling out a lot of best ball stuff on there as well as redraft stuff. Uh, you can find my written work on Fantasy Pros and Football Outsiders. Find me on Twitter at NFL underscore T Strack. Um, you know, busy time of year, lots going on. Yeah, absolutely. So make sure you're you're following Tom, especially the Fantasy Sanctuary, right? You guys are are super close to a milestone. So if you've not already, make sure you go over and subscribe on YouTube to to the Fantasy Sanctuary and, and get them pushing up towards towards five hundred, right? That's been so quick. Congratulations. You guys are putting in so much work. It really is an amazing channel. So make sure you go out and, and subscribe into there. And yeah, and oh yeah, subscribe subscribe to here too, by the way, right? Don't don't just leave and, and don't subscribe here. That'll be That'll be me. So make sure you hit that subscribe button here too. Um, and that brings us to the end of the episode. Tom, thanks again, mate. Thanks everybody else for listening. And remember, for anything Dynasty needs to know, keep it locked on the Certified Inferno. We'll see you next time. Bye.